Welcome to Adults Do Disney. I am Lawrence. And I'm Lindsay. And we've been away for a little while, but we're back because we have to talk about Disney remakes. So, live action films, uh, film versions of the 2D films. Yeah, live action in inverted commas, this is very much, isn't it? Because yeah, true, a lot of we're these things. About Lion King as well. Yeah, a lot of these things are actually just new animations, aren't they? Yeah. So, we're going to discuss these because we think that this new generation of Disney remakes reflect different things that Disney is trying to achieve. Yeah, above and beyond making a butt ton of money. Yeah, which is always goal number one, of course, yeah. for, for really any company. So, there are certain categories of these films I think so we've broken these down into five potential things that we think Disney might be trying to do here so the first one would be the CGI animal story so yeah not really pure live action Mm -hmm. they're not getting actual lions and sort of putting weird smells under their nose so they make facial expressions no which is almost a bit of a shame (laughs) (laughs) I feel like maybe 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 people would have been eaten during the course they would I mean it works for Homeward Bound but you can't really get lions and hyenas to do that uh, not without crossing some animal welfare uh, lines <laughs> yeah yeah so that's the kind of first category of remake yeah. the second CGI category story, so yeah second, second category one. being the faithful retelling of an original fairy tale yeah and then we have um a third one colorblind casting or deliberate efforts for fairer representation yeah. Uh, and changing things about the original story to reflect current Disney values. Yeah. Then there's original characters taken in new directions with new stories, i.e. Maleficent. Yeah. And the upcoming Cruella. Yeah. Which is coming up soon. And then finally, changing the story to reflect the original fable or legend more closely. Yeah, and how far are they going to take that? Because a lot of the time, the original source material is extremely dark and grim. Mm. And Disney does have a habit of basically just changing things to make them a bit more happy for cartoons. So are they going to, with these so-called live-action remakes, go grittier with them? Mm. So let's start by by kind of getting into why we're doing this right now. And that is, we went to see The Lion King mm. two days ago. And we had big reservations about it before we saw it. Yeah. We'd been taking the piss out of it solidly <laughs> for weeks. Yeah. I, now, I'll, I will preface this by saying I actually am in the minority of not having any particularly strong feelings about the original Lion King. I, yeah. I, I liked it, but it seemed to be a real life-changing film for a lot of a lot of people. Certainly, a lot of Disney fans. Uh, I, well, I didn't either. But then I watched it at a very sad time in my life, and I think the the sadness in the film sort of ruined it a bit for me. It's a very stately sort of film, isn't it? I, I feel don't know. like. Would you call it stately? I don't know. I feel like compared what do you mean to by stately. Well, I feel like it's it's kind of it's sort of grandiose and in its scale, and it's sort of a kind of majestic story. Well, I suppose it's got that regal thing going on. Yeah, yeah. It and, feels and that like... spiritual element of um, the circle of life and all that business. It's not a knockabout comedy like some other Disney films are. You do have a farting warthog in it. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so there, that is a concession to comedy, I suppose. Yeah. But overall, it's one of the films that you. You'd describe as sort of beautiful and powerful, wouldn't you? But it's never particularly stayed with me as being one of my favourites. Should we talk about our reservations first, so you know what kind of mindset we were going into the film with? Okay, go on. Okay, so first reservation, and it was pretty much to do with the marketing. So there were these big posters of the main characters, <laughs> and they just looked like the animals, didn't well, they? Well, they, they, they look so phenomenally blank in, yeah. the, in the way that big cats and other wild animals look 
totally blank. Yeah, what I mean is there was no character to them. Yeah, didn't we see a tweet that said, you know, there's a picture of the poster and it says, Donald Glover is Simba. And the person was saying, that's just a lion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really, literally uh, a lion. Yeah, brilliant tweets. Because it was just like, yeah, that's just a close-up of a lion's face. Yeah. So I was like, how are they going to imbue any kind of character into these incredibly lifelike animals? And then we just before going into the cinema, I saw a tweet from Jenny Nicholson, the YouTuber, saying... Uh, the great thing about the stage version of The Lion King is that they wear these masks that they then lift up in order to express the emotion and show the range of emotions. And this film is like all of the masks have just been glued shut. Yeah, so we were thinking, is it going to be uh, a bit uncanny valley? Or yeah. is it going is to is it going to jar watching what is going to look like a nature documentary, but with a load of human voices over the top? Yeah. And, and how much expression can they wring out of a, a photoreal lion? <laughs> yeah, and also, why have they done this? Why didn't they have goofy faces? Yeah. That's, so that's the mindset we had going into it. Yeah, so we had a lot of reservations, but a few minutes in, after watching uh, the kind of the Circle of Life intro sequence, which was a shot-for-shot shot remake, I leaned over to you and said, I think we probably could have just not seen this and said we had yeah but then a few minutes after that suddenly i found myself being thoroughly drawn in Mm. and it turns out it doesn't matter that they don't have a hell of a lot of facial expressions and thank god they didn't actually decide to rubberize their faces and and make them gurn yeah because human way because that would have made it that would have tipped it into the uncanny yeah that would have been freaky but it's it's a bit like mask work. So if you watch someone doing um, a theatrical piece and they've got a full face mask on that doesn't move in any way, as long as their body language is uh, is there and uh, and the intent, the narrative is all there, it doesn't matter that they they have a mask. Yeah, no one no one looks at Bunraku puppetry and go. No one looks at Bunraku puppetry. <laughs> <laughs> no one looks at that and goes. <laughs> well, but no one looks at that and goes, I I don't believe this character because their face is a, is a stationary object. Yeah, you do actually start filling it in with yourself. And actually, I, we have a couple of cats, Boomer and Hilo, and mm-hmm. we're constantly projecting emotions onto their face. Yeah, and they are the blankest. They are so blank. They are just the 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 total lack of anything going on behind the eyes is very apparent. They have two expressions: flat and uh, manic. And yeah. that's it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Flat eyes, eyes. wide, eyes not so wide. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is literally the two expressions they have. But we've built entire personalities around our cats, uh, and I think they probably don't have those personalities, really, do they? Or they, really. they have vague approximations of that. But because we've created a narrative, we look at their stupid furry faces and we see. What we want to see. Oh, they're very much alive in our minds. And their characters are are rich and detailed. And so The Lion King is kind of the same. Yeah. (laughs) we. I would actually go so far as to say, and this is probably going to cause some ripples. Oh my God, what are you going to say, Lars? I think that The Lion King remake is the most successful of all of the Disney remakes so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I think for me, the main reason that it works so well for me is that the animation style, I think, really suits the story because right. this this kind of photoreal animation uh, with these uh, incredibly beautiful, rich landscapes uh, and these super, super well-designed, um, realistic animal characters, mm. it, it somehow suits the majesty of the story because I feel like when we watch that, we are kind of putting ourselves in mind of uh, like an like a David Attenborough documentary where you really feel that the stakes are incredibly high because it just feels so real. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, you feel the uh, gravitas of Mother Nature, don't you? Yeah, and you, and you feel the sort of sense of the brutality of, of life as a wild animal. Yeah, and, and they uh, they face this as well. I think they obviously uh, decided that you couldn't... Uh, they couldn't gloss over the animals eating animals things thing as much as they did in the original yeah Lion because there there because this that line in the original Lion King which is in this as well still about the uh, well when we die our bodies become the grass and the antelope eat the grass right Darth yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh it's nice to hear James L Jones again. oh it was James L Jones might as well have just sent his old tapes from the previous film back in to, to yeah, be yeah. Well, he sounds a little a little older but yeah yeah thank God they didn't try to replace him I think he's one of those irreplaceable Actors a bit, a bit like Robin Williams. Well, we'll, we'll get on. To well, that we'll, later. we'll come on to this later. But, <laughs> but yes. Um, so yeah, they do address this uh, this issue of animals eating other animals in a slightly more interesting way in the in the new version, don't mm. they? Yeah, they just get into it a tiny bit more, and it just and it makes sense within the context of the whole uh, circle of life, and uh, and one animal at the top of the food chain ruling over the other ones, which mm. it always made me a little bit uneasy, but. I relaxed into it. <laughs> yeah, uh, they have some some nice new dialogue with Timon and Pumbaa, kind of going into that a bit in a bit more detail. Mm. Going, mm, I'm not sure I buy this this kind of uh, circle of life thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. which is very nice. Mm. I think where they have extended the script, they have extended it for the better. Yeah, it's like it's a slightly longer film, but not very much. It didn't feel like any. I I realized as I was watching it how much of the original I did know mm. because uh, of how much of the original dialogue I was so very familiar with. Yeah, and when they changed it very slightly, uh, it everything they did I thought felt like an improvement. Yeah, well, the cast were, I'd say. An improvement. Uh, no, I'd say they were the equal of the original cast, which you need, don't you? Yeah, Although definitely. I think I preferred uh, Chwesel Ejiofor to Jeremy Irons. Yes, I agree. I the the standout performance for me was Scar. Every time Scar was on screen, mm. I I could have watched it for hours. Yeah, yeah, because uh, uh, Chwesel brings his kind of almost Shakespearean. Yeah, I know. I, actually, you could you should be able to say that with Jeremy Irons as well. Well, he? yeah, I he mean, had that kind of background, but he was he was camper. He was a bit more arch. Well, in the way that a lot of the Disney villains. are. Yeah, they're both Shakespearean actors, but of a very different flavor, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Chwesel Ejiofor is a very serious modern actor, isn't he? Yeah, Whereas... and you just felt like he uh, you really felt Scar's entire backstory but and that I, I think with the new animation style when you have a realistic uh cast mm. and a, a kind of photo real environment somehow that hammy jeremy irons oh goody i'm <laughs> surrounded by idiots none yeah, of that yeah. feels appropriate no so instead you have this sort of sort of slightly haunted husky bitter voice of yeah of, of this completely new version of scar which really suited oh, brilliant it. yeah i mean it was it was such a powerful having a fantastic baddie is very important for these films definitely yeah yeah, you can't have you can't have a weaker uh, diet version of the original guy. No, no. But also, it, they can't be as camp either. I yeah. don't think. So, what, so who who were the other who were the other standout cast members? Uh, Beyonce was great. Yes. Yeah, really, really enjoyed. We knew she was a great actor. Yeah. But it was really nice to hear uh, her absolutely tearing apart. Um, can you feel the love tonight? Mm. She she does that so well. It yeah. suits her voice fantastically. Yeah. Um, 
Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen are a good Timon and Pumbaa. I'd say they're the equal of the originals. Yeah, perhaps so. Who yeah. was it? Nathan Lane originally is Timon. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so you always get the kind of uh, slightly slobby. Obviously, the warthog has to sound a bit like a yeah, like a schmo. Yeah, yeah. He's a <laughs> schlub, isn't he? But they made them. I think they made them sort of more overtly a gay couple, which was quite nice. Uh, well, Timon was more overtly camp. I mean, he was he? phenomenally camp. Yeah, and it really works with the body language of a meerkat. That yes, there's a couple of moments where uh, the the meerkat body language just suits some some catty comment. Yeah, that's really that high arch kind. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. It was great. Yeah, and it's some, something about it really, really works. Mm. So, I mean, the, all of the animation is. I, I think it's it's second to none that I've seen. I think this is the first time I've been sat in a cinema and gone. No, I think that's a composite. Of animated characters on a on a real background, but it wasn't. It's but all it's animated. No, I was. That's the first time I've ever been genuinely totally fooled. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, and it works. It just works so well. Oh, um, I I have to say, John Oliver playing um, uh, Zazu. Zazu. I felt like he was the Diet Coke version of Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> he was a bit. I mean, he was like it was. A, it's a good casting. Oh yeah, well, it's it's very close. It's a bit too close. That's the trouble. He has a voice which is slightly Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. and but it, not quite Rowan Atkinson. Mm. So then it, that just immediately makes you start comparing. Like yeah. I don't think I was watching the others and necessarily comparing every time they came on the screen. Like for instance, uh, when Scar came on the screen, I wasn't going in my head. Oh, Jeremy Irons did such and such, and it's a bit like etc. etc. I was yeah. just completely immersed in his performance. Mm. Whereas I think every time John Oliver's uh, Zazu opened his mouth, I was thinking of Rowan Atkinson. I suppose so, and I think as well when you get characters that are more comedy characters, you do it, it, you don't get lost in a comedy character so much as you do in a serious character. I find because with a comedy character, you you're kind of you know, they're they're wisecracking. You're you're it's sort a routine. of yeah. You're in the moment more. It feels more live. It feels like a like you're watching the comedian a bit. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe we're analysing Zazu a bit possibly harsher than we might do. Yeah. Otherwise. Oh, I loved the. Oh, I, I apologise. I'm terrible with character names and just names in general. Who are you Baboon. thinking of? Oh, what, Rafiki. Rafiki. Yeah. Oh. Who's who? Who? I've forgotten the name of the actor, but he he's the chap from Black Panther who plays his dad. Yeah. In Black Panther, he was very good. Ah, oh, he was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and Donald Glover was very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Donald Glover was great. Excellent so basically, because uh, really, uh, John Oliver was still good. So the entire cast were great. Yeah, and they correctly identified that there is no replacing James Earl Jones. No. So he was just. I think he's the only original cast member, wasn't he? Yeah. And that's. I mean, what a what what a voice. Yeah. It, there's no replacing. I wonder that if voice. they went through in their head people that they could have cast, and they went, ah, there's going to be too much comparison to mm. James L. Jones. It's you know negative comparison. Yeah. I mean, there there is no more sort of heavy gravitas voice than than that. Oh, we can't go to the toilet, I just realised. Sorry, our own cat just <laughs> meowed. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> right, we'll have to pause and let him in. Yeah. Hilo, our cat, was going to interrupt something. At least he interrupted the chat on the Lion King. Yeah, he interrupted <laughs> the cat story. Yeah. <laughs> I need the toilet. I'm blocked the way to my litter box. I very much enjoyed Simba's roars in uh, in the Lion King as well. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, yeah. you have young Simba learning how to roar. Yeah. And in in the original, it's obviously a human performance. Yeah. 
Whereas this, they had got some some big cat roars, and it's yeah. very very cute. Yeah, yeah, it was. Oh yeah, little yeah. Simba was adorbs. Yeah. <laughs> so d- d- I think I've seen some some lukewarm reviews of this film, and so I, what, what don't they like about it? Well, I've seen a lot of kind of three stars. Ah, oh, it's not a three star. It's so not in, a three in star our opinion. Oh. No, I mean Mark Kermode uh, in his review, he said something which we thought was interesting and we didn't agree with. Mm. Whereas, where he said he thinks that a photoreal environment and photoreal characters aren't necessarily the best device for conveying a fairy tale. Yeah, he really focused on the fantastical elements, the kind of magical elements. Mm. But our argument is that Lion King isn't a fantasy. No. It's actually a uh, a drama, could be a tragedy even, Mm. Uh, except the main characters don't die. Spoiler! Um, (laughs) And it's uh, set in a real environment, uh, and it's based on... Uh, well, it's based on real relationships, isn't it? But it's also based on Shakespeare's... Oh, uh, Hamlet. Hamlet, yeah. 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 But, so but... there's nothing necessarily... Actually, there's more magic in Hamlet, you could argue, with the ghost and all yeah, the rest Yeah, you've it. got ghostly characters in Hamlet. But you? I think the only so-called magic in Lion King is this idea of um, Mother Nature's circle of life and a kind of slightly spiritual element mm. uh, about the nature of death, although they don't suggest that... You know, uh, that uh, there's a continuation of life after death so much as a change of life. It's more like a life force, a life energy. Yeah, yeah. A kind of, what was it, an animalist, you said. Oh, yeah, well, idea. I was thinking uh, the old animist um, religions very okay. much relied on this uh, idea of uh, we feed the earth, the earth feeds us, and it's just an endless cir- circle. Right, right. So, and it completely makes sense to have an animal society have a, have that belief system. Oh, totally, yeah, but yeah. But I don't think that's magical. No. I think that's actually, there's, there, it's, it's spiritual and that's different. Yeah, and I think any of the sort of magical or supernatural elements that happen in The Lion King could, in fact, be passed as, like, Simba's internal monologue, isn't it? Because he's looking in, he's looking at his reflection in the water. His reflection changes into Mufasa's face. Mm. Then he looks in the sky and he hears the voice of Mufasa. This is just a, this is a personal character revelation, isn't it? Well, you do have Rafiki uh, fortune telling, but then he's using natural elements in order to do some uh, fortune telling. Yeah, and again, it just feels like a an animist religion kind of. It feels like, in, by, by Disney standards, it's extremely non-magical. Well, it's not Elsa throwing ice blades. No, it. and it's not it's not fairies casting... Ca- Curses. Yeah, w- witches and fairies and magic. Yeah, and blah, so blah, blah. Uh, we, we disagree with him. We think photo-real environments and photo-real characters with a story that, that is based in a, in a kind of reality. Yeah, yeah. Totally fits. I think this is the first time I've really, truly felt that the new animation suits a story... Better, perhaps, than the 2D original incarnation yeah. of it. So going back to our original points that we said in the introduction, the idea of a CGI animal story where the animals look like actual animals mm. uh, makes sense when it's a story that doesn't go outside the boundaries of reality. Yeah. Too far outside the boundaries of reality. That makes sense to me. Yeah. And in fact, the only other remake that I have sort of particularly enjoyed... Uh, was John Favreau's other realistic animal story, uh, The Jungle Book, yeah. which, although 
there's there's no magic there's in that a giant, either. There's a giant orangutan. Yeah, I well, can't get on board with the absolutely no, enormous orangutan <laughs> in the jungle book. So he's supposed to be a gigantopithecus, isn't yes, he? Yes, but there's humans that exist in the story. Yeah, so he's you an anachronism. Gig- yeah, you can't have gigantopithecus <laughs> and human beings in the same story. I understand kind of <laughs> the intent there of I making don't... Louis into a massive... No! <laughs> but it was like suddenly having King Kong in the midst yeah. of a, a story. No, no, I don't like it because it's like saying that an alpha orangutan is not enough of a threat that you need to make a freaking terraced house-sized orangutan. Yeah. <laughs> it's unnecessary. It's like the bit in Jurassic Park where... Uh, or, Jurassic World, rather, where they go, people are bored of dinosaurs. Yeah. They've been around for 30 years. Let's make we a need crazy a dinosaur one. that's a mixture of a, a terrifying dinosaur and another terrifying dinosaur and a frog and that a, turns cuddles. Yes, and a cuttlefish for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's just like this is unnecessary. And big orang. Anyway, I'm going off, off topic. Well, right. as we've said before, Jurassic World is just two hours of people going, You didn't breed cuttlefish DNA in there, did you? And then they all go, Oh. <laughs> cuttlefish. I think they should have have a, a giant like a Godzilla movie that is just a cuttlefish yeah just a massive one of those dried cuttlefish they give to budgies what to peck <laughs> <laughs> just, it just oh falls no, it just falls out of the sky and just lands on Tokyo yeah <laughs> yeah and then it's people just digging their way out of a yeah. giant cuttlefish oh but. wow yeah. Anyway, yeah. So well, how did we get onto that? Oh, we were talking about the Jungle Book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. Okay. There were some problems with the Jungle Book, but it, I I liked that film, and I liked the fact that uh, in that instance they were actually doing something different with the story. Obviously, Favreau's intention with that film was to make a darker film than mm. the original Jungle Book, whereas with the Lion King, it's really it's the same film. It's the same story. Yeah. The darkness is still there. The light moments are yeah. still there. So I think the it's reason very well balanced. Yeah. Definitely. It's yeah. a very good story. Yeah. And I think that perhaps the reason it's getting these lukewarm reviews is because the critics are going, well, we've seen this before. This is the same story again. But I think that's not fair because you have to judge each film as a standalone film. And I think if I was to show someone who had never seen the story of The Lion King, uh, one of those two films, either the original 2D one or this one, I would show them this one because I think it's I think it's the more powerful. Do you think vehicle. nostalgia's getting in the way as well? Oh, I love the original Lion King. This one is not a patch on that. I mean, it could be, but then yeah, that maybe that's why because I have no particular love for the original one. Mm. I, I, this is why I think I enjoyed this one more. Nostalgia is a funny thing, really, isn't it? Because in the last few years, uh, we've had a lot of old properties that have been given new life, and a lot of the people who absolutely love the original properties. Are freaking furious! Oh yeah, about the new versions. Well, even uh, though they want them at the same time, yeah, they're also out of their minds with anger all over social media well, about uh, uh, small uh, changes yeah, that have God, been made. Yeah. And as we know, Star Wars fans only like two Star Wars films, and everything else is terrible. Yeah, but it's not just that, is it? It's like Ghostbusters. Everyone who uh, who loved Ghostbusters when they were a kid in the eighties is something yeah. like. They're girls, girls, they're smelly girls of cooties. You yeah. made bad Ghostbusters. Yeah, and I, I actually thought that was the best Ghostbusters. Oh, I, I did prefer the original, but I also really enjoyed the new one, and I don't think that you need to blow a freaking gasket. No, you really don't. Because <laughs> the thing is, the, the next iteration of something does not erase the original one, does it? Like you've said many times in the past. Yeah. The, the original one still exists. So if you f***ing love that one so much... <laughs> sorry. Have to beep that. Out. That's all right. Um, then it's okay because it still exists. Go and watch the original one. Yeah. And it's kind of the same with the Lion King. But go go along with an open mind. See what you think. Yeah. And if you really love it, great. And if you prefer the original, 
Watch the original. Yeah, but in <laughs> but in making these new films, they have uh, they are at least doing something different with the original property. Yeah, unlike what we're about to talk about now. Oh yeah. So the second category of these Disney remakes is the faithful retelling of a, of a, uh, one of their own fairy tales. Yeah. A la Aladdin or yeah. Beauty and the Beast, etc. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we should say a, we should put a disclaimer in at this point. We have not seen the new Guy Ritchie film of Aladdin. Yeah, because I loved the original Aladdin. Actually, going back to nostalgia. Are you? Are you? Are we now going to grossly contradict ourselves? Yes. Yes. Go, we are. I don't want to. I'm watch a hypocrite. That. Uh, but yeah, I and I just thought I don't see myself enjoying this. So here are the reasons why I don't think I would have enjoyed the Aladdin. Although we should see it. Well, we will see it. Yeah. Uh, just it just it didn't spark enough interest in us to go and see yeah. it in the cinema. Okay. Reason number one. Replacing Robin Williams. Uh, you couldn't really replace James Earl Jones, and you definitely couldn't replace uh, the portrayal of the genie as done by Robin Williams. Here's a contentious point here. Uh, I might argue that if you removed Robin Williams from the original film of Aladdin, there might not be much left. No, I agree. It's actually... <laughs> he he is by far the most memorable thing yeah. in Yeah, I mean, Jafar film. is pretty fantastic. He's a well. good villain, that's yeah. true. And and I'm not sure, but in the trailer, the Jafar looked a little young and a little bland. I don't know why he wasn't an older actor. Yeah, I, yeah, kind I of mean, Ben Kingsley type. Yeah, yes, exactly, yes. Ben yeah. Kingsley type actor. Yeah, uh, I, and I actually think because it's fairy tale, they should have kept the high camp. Yeah, because it's such a camp story and the from the, the the looks of this new film it looks to be an extremely camp version of yeah uh, aladdin you know it's all purple smoke and stuff yeah and aladdin as a uh, the original uh 2d film it's it's very kind of like we're having a party it's a, it? it's a comedy film really, yeah isn't yeah it? I mean, it's, it's, it falls into that category as opposed to the the sort of beautiful powerful category yeah. that i think yeah because if you look at the into. the extras uh, as they were uh, in Aladdin, mm-hmm. you know, there's things like busty uh, wenches and oh, yeah. uh, and uh, angry shopkeepers uh, and, and <laughs> <The> fresh fish. <laughs> we catch them, you buy them. And little kids like them. Yeah, and you know, so it's all it's it's kind of ridiculous and cart- uh, cartoonish, obviously. Yeah, but over the top, and mm. it's not like The Lion King. In that respect. Mm. Actually, yeah, you're right. There is a stateliness to The Lion King. Yeah, 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 yeah I think so. Yeah. And so the, the having watched the trailer of that, that didn't really excite me enough to go and see it in no, the No, because I, I don't think you're going to get... It's almost um, Looney Tunes versions of uh, cartooning to a certain extent, isn't it? Aladdin? Oh, well, certainly, certainly the genie stuff. Because yeah. having the genie be a, a shapeshifter who is also kind of a time traveller. Yeah. Uh, and animating Robin Williams' mad flights of fancy. Yeah, and all the slapstick that. that he he did on uh, with his shape-shifting entity. Yeah, and like the the pop culture references. I mean, he plays he goes between playing like Groucho Marx yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. Jack Nicholson and all sorts of people in in his different moments, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, exactly. And I just don't think I mean, if you're going to have a Looney Tunes type thing, then Robin Williams is your man. Mm. And I'm not sure Will Smith is. But then here's the funny thing, like if that film, the original film didn't exist Mm. and uh, we were told Disney is going to take on the story of Aladdin and they've cast Will Smith as the genie, Mm. you'd probably go, oh, Oh, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, true. So maybe we should judge it as a standalone film. Well, I don't know, though. The thing is, though, in remakes, 
they have to know that if you're a certain age, that original is going to be in your head. I think it has to be assumed that people will be constantly comparing a remake to the original version of the film. Well, yeah, and it's it's like I said earlier, if you have a cast that is an improvement on the original, then you don't even think back to the uh, original performance, do you? So when I was watching, like I said, Scar, mm. I, I didn't, I wasn't thinking of Jeremy Irons. No. However. If I was watching Will Smith, I would be thinking of Robin Williams all the time. <laughs> well, especially if uh, they have sort of kept some of Robin Williams' lines. Because mm. I think the only way you could do it would be to have another brand new uh, ingenious uh, bit of stand-up comedy, essentially. Yeah. yeah. They do this thing in uh, the Edinburgh Festival sometimes where they have comedians doing other people's, uh, other comedians' routines. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah. And, Joke thieves, and that's what it's the, Yeah, yeah. And the humour is derived from the fact it doesn't match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you get the wrong comedian's voice in in a comedian. So you and, go, you'd get like a really deadpan comedian trying to do Robin Williams or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they are never going to be as good as the original. Yeah, and like I say, the laughs are from, isn't this crap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you can't have an entire movie of, oh dear, this doesn't fit. Well, certainly not <laughs> so like a kind of fantasy fairy tale movie that has millions and millions of dollars of production yeah, behind yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, my argument <clears throat> is if you're going to do a straight remake, then you better make damn sure that the cast are the equal of or an improvement on the original. Yeah, absolutely. Having said that, let's talk about Beauty and the Beast. Well, just quickly before we do that, perhaps this is maybe where Mark Kermode's point makes a bit more sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. So do we want an overt fairy tale like Aladdin rendered in, in inverted commas, live action? Yeah. You know, with stupid gurning human beings in it. Yeah, yeah, because a gurning human is never going to be as good as a gurning cartoon. Yeah, and when you have a story that is so incredibly reliant on magic, mm. like Aladdin is total supernatural fest from start to finish. Yeah. So having real people in it, mm, it's sort of a bit more silly than... And that's why I guess the the thingies, the uh, crockery and stuff out of Beauty and the Beast with faces stamped onto them. That's another are one. Horrifying. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, that really was quite unnerving. Yeah. Beauty yeah. and the Beast. Uh. Yeah. So I, you're right. So the more ludicrous, the more it relates to an original uh, s- silly cartoon, mm-hmm. the less it translates into this live action thing. So basically, the more magic, the more drama rather than comedy it is, the better it suits live action. I think is a conclusion we are slowly coming to. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. Mm. Yeah. Just, yeah, that that holds water, I think. Okay. So Beauty and the Beast, right? Mm. Um, That's another one. Ultimate fairy tale. Yeah. You know, it's all like singing crockery. Mm. It's uh, a witch casting a spell, a Mm. thing transforming into another thing, a a, a true love's kiss, a, Mm. a a ticking clock time limit mm-hmm. thing a lesson being learned a fable so it's the ultimate fairy tale really which meant that all of that stuff rendered in real life it, but still being presented in the same kind of disney you know fantastic escapist fairy tale mm. sort of way and the beast himself as well i mean they managed to cutify the cartoon version of him mm. and make him i mean yeah, although if you've seen the some of the earlier uh, mock-ups of the beast oh yeah there was one where it's like, like a baboon face. yeah it was a huge mandrill yeah or something. yeah basically uh bell fancying rafiki in gigantic form. or a, 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 a warthog wasn't that <laughs> oh god one? Yeah, yeah that was another one yeah yeah but they managed to come to a, a cutesy version but uh not so much in the live 
Well, actually. yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he, it's mm, kind of okay, but it's just it doesn't. It's not an improvement. The biggest problem, though, is the cast again, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. Yeah, it, they are not the equal of the original cast because. They can't sing. Well, so, <laughs> right, uh, yeah, I mean, Emma Watson, as much as I like Emma Watson, I think she's good. I think she's a good actor. I think she's a force for good in the world. Oh, yeah, I like Emma Watson. She's a rubbish singer. Yeah, she shouldn't have been a lead in a musical. No, and listening to the 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 awful algorithmic uh, electronic auto-tuning of her voice for, mm. for two hours is excruciating yeah. to me. Um, and why go for celebrity casting? I just don't see the point in it unless they can actually do it like Beyonce makes sense because she's a singer yes. as well as a, a great actress yeah uh, but if you're going to do a celebrity casting I suppose then get a singer or well, don't do a celebrity casting just get uh, get someone who fits the role brilliant well I, that would be I, that would be the ideal thing to do wouldn't it mm. that, because you know people are not going to not see Disney films no if you say there's a live action Disney remake of Beauty and the Beast mm. starring a very established West End actor singer, mm. you'd go, okay, fine, great. Yeah. Let me go and see and that. And kids in particular. Mm. I mean, they didn't, for instance, see Frozen and go, oh, is, uh, oh, I'm not sure. The, the voice, Dina Menzel, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I've never I mean, heard of her. Never yeah, heard I've of never her. heard of her. Yeah. So they're just going to look at the characters and love the characters and, and sing the songs, if the songs are sung well. Yeah. So yeah. stop with the celebrity casting that doesn't make any sense. Or we need to go back to what they used to do in the 50s and 60s where you have a different singer doing the singing voice. Oh, I kind of, I'm not keen on that though because I feel like it's taking a potential career-making turn away from someone who deserves it. <laughs> I agree. I, I, I still think the better option would be to just cast the right person in the first place. Mm. But if they're going to do celebrity casting, then they need to get some other person to sing it yeah. so that it isn't embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't just sound auto-tuned when Emma Watson sings. It sounds weak. Yeah, and then you're waiting There's for the song no to end. Power. You're going, please make the song end so we can get on with the narrative. And that's that's terrible. Yeah. Talking of brilliant casting, for, as in casting a singer for a singing role, yeah. we are well on board with the Little Mermaid casting. Yeah, it makes sense. So someone who's uh, like genuinely very young for mm. a start, yeah, uh, and a singer first and foremost, mm. someone who is an established singer but not a household name. Yeah, this is going to be... I mean, she was already obviously uh, doing well, but... She, this is a career-making... Totally, yeah. I mean, she's going to become a household name, Halle Bailey, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she already has, unfortunately, for the wrong reasons, because uh, they released her casting and everyone lost their minds. Well, this, is, this, is, uh, this brings us on to the next point that we have. So, deliberate efforts, efforts for fairer representation is another, yeah. another reason that Disney might have to remake some of their original classics. Well, The Little Mermaid's really interesting. The, the story itself does not match up with uh, current thinking. <laughs> it really doesn't, does it? No, it's... it's the story of a girl triumphantly giving up her powers and her home mm. for a chap. <laughs> yeah, yes. And that, there's there's not a lot of... Oh, and he saves the day as well, doesn't he? The... Prince Eric is the one who actually vanquishes Ursula. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So she's also the uh, maiden in distress. Mm. And that's not really a story that I think needs to be told at the moment. Yeah, and having so, her literally surrender her voice. Yeah, so The Little Mermaid was always going to be interesting with them remaking it, because if they went for a completely straight remake, it would be super problematic. Yeah. So I think it, they're setting out their stall by uh, by announcing very early that 
Halle Bailey is going to be... They knew that that would cause a problem with the arseholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The very vocal arseholes all over social media. Yes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, if anyone disagrees with that, I, I don't care, <laughs> you know, no. in this podcast. Yeah, we, we don't care. No, because... Uh, so, it, I mean, I don't know if there's any point rehashing all the the so-called arguments that people make for her not being a good Little Mermaid. There isn't any point. No. Uh, I, th- I think she looks like a Disney princess as well. We were, Yeah, we were also thinking, uh, because they very deliberately put this casting out very early to get all of all of the inevitable race discussions out of the way, mm. we were thinking, well, who else now could they start to trickle out in terms of casting? And we have some very uh, strong casting ideas. Well, they've already, though, suggested that uh, King Triton is going to be Javier Bardem. Okay. I, I, yeah, that's that. I could I could buy that. I mean, Triton's not a particularly interesting role, is he? He's he just doesn't have daddy. a huge amount to do. No, he's just patriarch, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's noble, kingly. Yeah. He, he's essentially... Mufasa, isn't he? Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so I could see Javier Bardem doing that. he doesn't die, obviously. Spoiler! All these spoilers I have to keep doing. But yeah, so we were thinking Ursula. So Titus Burgess on YouTube. So he's the chap who uh, is in um, Kimmy Schmidt. So, yeah, he's her her best mate, right? Yeah, and he plays a a wannabe Broadway singer. Mm. Uh, But in real life, he is a Broadway actor. He is a Broadway star. Yeah. And there's something on YouTube, uh, go and have a look for it because it's very good, of him uh, saying that he used to be Sebastian in the uh, stage play Mm. and that when it was coming to the end of his contract, he wanted to play a different character and he wanted to audition for it, but they wouldn't let him. And that character is Ursula. So then then he he sings Poor Unfortunate Souls. Yeah, yeah. And he tears it apart. It's great. It's really brilliant. Yeah, so he'd be perfect. Plus, as well, the original Ursula is based on... uh, Divine. Divine, the drag queen. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it just just makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah, so, you know, you've already irritated the... Let's call them racists (laughs) uh, by casting a, a black Ariel. So why not cast a male Ursula? Yeah. Yeah, uh, an openly uh, homosexual Ursula. Yes. Male Ursula. That, male that, actor. That suits that character very nicely, I think. Yeah, definitely. So who do we think could be Eric? Uh, well, you need someone young enough, we were saying. And we were saying that because Halle Bailey looks so young, mm. you don't want to pair her with someone who's a big, hulking, masculine, older man type. No, he's got to be equally... that look creepy. Equally young looking, really, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. And she literally could pass her about 16, I reckon. Ah, uh, yeah. So we were saying Tom Holland, but he's getting on a bit. <laughs> Tom, Tom Holland, yeah, no, he would be all right. Yeah, I think, actually, yeah. he's perpetual teeth. Yeah, I think he, I think he's, uh, he's older than he looks, but uh, he's, he's a very nice kind of. There's nothing, there's nothing threatening about Tom Holland. No, he just comes across like Mister Nice Guy. Yeah, yeah. And then we thought Steve from Stranger Things, because he's <laughs> yeah. got he's got the princely bouffant hairdo. Yeah, maybe we're just thinking of his mullet from Stranger Things. I think Things. he might have been. Also, he's got very soft uh, features as well, so he looks unthreatening as a result. Yeah. There's something a bit boy bandish about him. So his name is Joe Keery. Right. He plays Steve in Stranger yeah. Things. Yeah. And then who else? Chance Podermo. Wh- who's he again? Now, he plays Ambrose in uh, the new Sabrina Chilling Adventures oh, yes. of Sabrina on Netflix. Yeah, so we think he could pass for late teens, yeah, maybe, at a push? I think he's in his early 20s. Yeah. He's quite a fruity actor. I think he's about like 22. Yeah. Yeah, he'd be good. Uh, he, he would He would make the role more interesting. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think he'd be a slightly more... I mean, I'm basing this on his character in Sabrina, but mm. he'd be a slightly more arch-prince. Well, yeah, I mean, it, the, Eric is an extremely blank character, isn't he? There's not a lot He's just there. hero. Yeah, yeah. I am hero. I save girls. It's funny because you hot. can sort of see that this was the this was the Renaissance film for Disney. This was the one that turned them back around mm. in the late 80s. And it really is a step up from what they were doing before in terms of quality of animation and... And, and the songs. I yes. I think the songs are a big part yes, of it. Yes, exactly, yeah, yeah. And a great great villain them deciding to basically have their model be Broadway musical yeah. from that point onwards yeah M- made yeah. a lot of sense well you can see the Little Mermaid stamp all over the subsequent ones as well totally yeah yeah although actually it's kind of an earlier um, uh, it, it, you could look at Cinderella and, and that's the, the same thing isn't it it an is amazing uh, arch villain yeah but, it, but they sort of lost their way for a long time and they sort of didn't do those stories for ages in the 80s until until they kind of went back to this classic Maybe form. they thought fairy tales were passe, not realising that kids don't understand, that, uh, don't have a, a concept of fashion in a uh, yeah, sense. Yeah, things fashion. being passe. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that's so That's so 1969. Ago, says the seven-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Who else do we think? Well, Sebastian. we thought Sebastian could be played by Terry Crews. <laughs> <laughs> we just like Terry Crews. I just think it'd be good to have like... He's got comedic chops. He does, and he's a funny character. Yeah. And we thought it'd be funny to have a tiny little crab character be played by a massive guy. Yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah, so this is something we wanted to say as well, because uh, she says it better than we could ever say it. So Angelica Sampson, who is a writer and activist, um, we... We put this on our own social media, didn't we? On our Adults Do Disney uh, social media. Yes, we But did. she posted something, which and she made a lot of great points about why it's brilliant that Ariel in particular has been cast as uh, as black. Because a character who, she, you know, it's a character who's a bona fide princess. She's got loads of trinkets galore. She's fun. She's sparkly. She's fabulous. She's fantasy. Mm. Um, and... Uh, she was saying that it's good that that particular character, out of all the ones that you could have recast, has been made, uh, has been recast as a black girl, because she talks about Sunflower the Centaur from Fantasia and the Hot and Hot Line and Mary Poppins and how Princess Tiana is the child of do- domestic service and and her happily ever after is securing a loan. Oh God, yeah. And <laughs> and all the reasons behind the idea of black people don't swim, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm not going to repeat what she says. It's quite long, but mm. it's to- it's really it's a brilliant read. So it's worth reading. So have a look at it. Her um, social media handle is at Angelica is Joy. So have a look at it there. Yeah. And she concludes by saying, "I'm glad a company as influential as Disney is going to take part in replacing the negative imagery black children have absorbed for the entire history of the U.S. Let's stop denying black children the luxury of fantasy." Yeah. And I thought that was a really That's great That's a very point. powerful idea, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. The fact that uh, 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 black kids can can watch a fabulous character yeah. being just, you know, with... Having no just... troubles except boy troubles is yeah, what she said, Yeah, yeah, exactly. It? Yeah. They've been... It's always about struggle, every, all the representation yeah. that there has been. Yeah, it's not just representation, isn't it? There needs to be the same kind of characters. There needs to be the full spectrum of representation. Yeah. From the fun end to the struggle end. Yeah. And so, yeah, I thought that was a great point. So yeah. go and have a read of that. Yeah, do follow her. Yeah. Um, so, should we talk about... The next. Well, yeah. So the next thing is the next reason that Disney might have to remake these films is to 
create a new story inspired by the original story or an alternate reality version. Yeah, so I think they're in particular looking at the bad guys, aren't they? Because mm. bad guys, as well as being immensely fun, having some of the best songs and everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, you could also do a kind of Breaking Bad journey with them. <laughs> yeah. A journey yeah. into darkness. Yeah, and people, if there's one thing that's been proven is that people do like exploring the other sides of these bad guys' characters. I mean, the success of Wicked mm. is very telling, isn't well, it? Well, literature's all about why, isn't it? Why do people do what they do? Why do yeah. they make certain choices? How do they arrive at the place that they eventually arrive and at? And certainly something like tragedy and, and the descent of a character into evil. Or yeah, heroes whatever. and anti-heroes. Mm. So, Maleficent, uh, yeah, new story inspired by the original. See, that's one of the ones that we've really thought was 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 excellent, actually. Yeah, excellent, and I'm looking forward to the new one as well. Yeah, because uh, it just adds nuance to the to the whole good versus bad um, battle. Yeah, and 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 if there's any good reason to remake a story, mm. uh, a good enough reason on its own would be to add nuance. Yeah, because they're so simplistic a lot of the time, yeah. aren't they? Bad person is threat to good person. Good person overcomes bad. Yeah, evil person. person does evil things because they are evil. Because they're evil. Why yeah. are they doing that? Yeah, yeah. Also, mm. the interesting thing about Maleficent, I think, is that it's high fantasy. It's winged creatures, and uh, it's a. Uh, an entire world building exercise. Yeah. So, and the thing with that kind of fantasy is you can talk about social issues that are happening uh, in a symbolic, metaphorical way. Yes. Well, let's talk about the trailer for Maleficent 2 then. Because mm. it, it, the last shot of the trailer is the most intriguing shot of that trailer because it sort of sets out the stall for what this new film might be all really about. Yeah, Maleficent is, uh, is brought into the uh, into a community of Maleficent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, into, a, uh, there are more dark fairies. Dark fairy, that's what they And it looks them, like, it? And, and prior to that, we see that they are trying their damnedest to wipe Maleficent off the earth in order to protect. So you have Michelle the, Pfeiffer, who is... Uh, wicked mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so she starts by saying uh, to Maleficent some, something like, you have done very well to put aside your true nature and re in raising this child yeah. to the best of your abilities. Yeah, and but basically now it's like, will... relax, because now you can go back to being what you are. An, and an evil uh, she has a real mother now, me. Yeah. So, I mean, she's deliberately trolling Maleficent because she wants Maleficent to show her evil side so that she can go, see, she's a threat to our security yes. and to the security of everyone. Yes. We must do the right thing and get rid of her. Yeah. And then right at the end of the trailer, Maleficent is taken up to a cloudy kind of place and introduced to a load of other bad fairies. So it looks like it's going to be a... Uh, a case of they're trying to wipe us out. How do we stop them? They're trying to cast us as the bad guys. Yeah. So uh, you have a persecuted community. We have fake news. Mm, <laughs> fake news. Yeah, against an entire community of uh, oppressed people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who are being cast as the bad guys. It's very much the sort of what what's happening in America at the moment. Absolutely. Mex Mexico. Yeah, yeah. And, and so you then have these other dark fairies basically saying... Why are you in, even engaging with this? Mm. Uh, and why? Why are you? What? So she's kind of torn between these two worlds as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. It, see, see, that's what fantasy can do. It can in, in a very in a way that doesn't shove it down your throat. Well, it doesn't feel too heavy-handed, does it? Yeah, because you're yeah. seeing allegory and yeah. and, and metaphor. But also, it's a way of kind of spoon feeding it to people who might, uh, you know, if you if you said to certain people, come and see this film. 
it's about um, fake news yeah. and, and the demonisation of entire peoples. Social prejudice. Oh, I'm not going to have that SJW oh, stuff shoved down my throat. Yeah, sounds um, heavy going to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I'm, I don't want your political views uh, <laughs> right up in my face. <laughs> but you do it with fancy, you do it with winged creatures and suddenly you have an audience that might be fed ideas that they would have given no um, time to whatsoever. Yeah, I wasn't bothered before, but now that it's got wings. <laughs> no, 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 there I mean, you that, go. That's, now, that's something moving. I can understand. That's moving. That's real life. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so maybe we think Maleficent yeah. 2 looks interesting. And if you're going to uh, develop nuance within an existing story, then I think a remake is a worthwhile thing to do. Yeah, because uh, you instantly have an in. It's a known property so uh, people are going to go to it because they're like, oh, bad guys, I like bad guys, I like their fashion and their songs. Mm. And then you get all these interesting other new ideas and narratives coming at you. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, great. I, I love that. That's that, I'm well up for that. So then, interestingly, moving on from that, uh, you have something like Mulan. Yeah, so this is something where they appear to be uh, kind of ignoring the 2D film to a certain extent. And going back to the original fable or legend. Mm. So this is this is phase five. It's the, the option five of Disney's reasons for remaking. Yeah, films. but going back to the original fable or legend has a lot of problems. Well, yeah. Number as we've one seen. of which is that almost all of them end with the death of the main character. Well, if they did this for the Little Mermaid, what would happen with her? <laughs> so she would she would lose her voice perpetually. She'd be in terrible pain because she's it's supposed to feel like she's dancing on knives. That's right. When she gets her feet, and then eventually she dies and becomes sea foam. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, and I think even. Does the prince die as well? Probably. Yeah, I mean, ma- mainly this that's what happens in fairy tales, isn't it? Yeah. It's supposed to be a moral lesson that's supposed to scare the crap out of <laughs> <laughs> like, children so they never do anything wrong. They're like campfire stories, aren't they, a lot of the time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of them tales. were uh, actually um, rejigged for the French court of the, oh, God, 17th century or something. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I might have got my facts slightly wrong there, but it was for the French court, so they were oral uh, tradition stories mm. that were then tweaked for the ladies of court to act as kind of moral stories. Right. <laughs> Blimey. So yeah. no wonder there's so many of them are so dark. Yeah, really. and a lot of them are supposed to have the symbolism. You know, you know, you read symbolism in certain things and you think, oh, I'm probably taking it too far. Like Red Riding Hood is about virginity. Uh-huh. That is, it is supposed to be yeah, about yeah. that. Right. It was a way to talk about those things without talking about those things. So it was a way to tell the ladies... Don't lose your virginity, girls. Right. Otherwise, you're as good as dead. <laughs> <laughs> Without actually saying that. Is it, so is the wolf supposed to be like... Is he's, this a kind of... He's a sexy guy. So is this like a rape thing? Is well, this a no, victim-blaming rape the path. thing? It's don't stray off the path because the wolf will get you. So oh, you don't stray off the straight and narrow. Uh, and the hood is supposed to be um, your hymen. No way. <laughs> Your actual hood. Yeah, yeah. Red hood is supposed to symbolise the intactness of the virgin. Wow, that's so literal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they couldn't actively say, don't don't put it up, you ladies, because right. uh, you won't make a good marriage and that's the end of you. Okay. So they had to go, there's a girl in a And she wants to hood. take bread to her grandmother. Which is what good girls do, so she must be very dutiful to her family and stay on the straight and narrow. I see. Don't go off the path. 
then she goes off the path because she sees things like pretty flowers that mm. men give her. Ah. And, uh, and while she's accepting these gifts from the forest, mm. there's a wolf. Yeah. <laughs> the wolf eats her grandmother and everything goes wrong. What an idiot she is. <laughs> yeah, I what mean, a... uh, that's actually unusual in that she doesn't actually die. She might get eaten, but she gets split out of the stomach. Well, she gets saved by a man in the end, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so a lot of these stories are for that purpose, which is why they're so freaking weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and they're all based on oral tradition. So inevitably, the kind of the crazy Chinese whispers of being passed from one person to another. Yeah, so you've got the endless permutation of stories over centuries. Then you've got them twisted into whatever morality was, uh, fa- you know, fashionable or, yeah. or de rigueur rather de rigueur at the time. The, yeah, yeah. And then you end up with a weird story. So how the hell can you go back to the original legend? Yeah, but that does appear to be, from the from the teaser trailer alone, this is, we should mm. say, what they are going to be doing with Mulan. Because Apart from they can't because Mulan dies. Well, yeah. So In- what are they going to do? Are they are they are they going to go the full way and have her die? Or are they going to do a kind of weird halfway house? Yeah, I don't Because it does know. sort of look like that. Well, the thing with Mulan as well is, so the original um, legend is the Ballad of Mulan. Far Mulan, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And um, a, a lot of the story makes sense. She does replace her father to go to war. Mm-hmm. But she dies in <laughs> battle. She dies in battle. Right. So I just don't... And there's also been loads of... Uh, there's been plenty of Chinese films... About Mulan as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. So I've seen one of them, uh, and it was the 2009 Mulan Rise of a Warrior. And it's really very, good. very gritty, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, right? it's very high production values, really gritty, and it's done as a tragedy. It's almost like a, uh, well, uh, you know, it's like it's like the Greek tragedies uh-huh. in that um, it's, you see her death coming essentially a mile away. Right. But it's all about her honour and, uh, the, you know, and how she faces it and what she does uh for the good of her country and I things see. like that. Yeah, yeah, right, right. On the way there. So they clearly can't make a Disney film. And why would they? Why would they just make one uh, when there's they already exist? That's mm. exactly the same story. So they're going to have to change the ending. Right. But if they're going to change the ending, why... What's the point of it? Well, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, a lot of the, the, the sort of the reaction to this announcement has been... Uh, shock at the removal of the songs, uh, the removal of Mushu, the dragon, mm. and the re- removal of uh, Li Shang. Yeah, so there are various reasons why they might have removed these. One of those is actually a copyright thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's some obscure copyright thing whereby one of the uh, lead producers of uh, some of those films from that era actually owns the copyright to the the music and yeah so but they can't own the copyright to mulan because she's a legendary figure mm-hmm. so you could do the story of mulan you just can't do the story of mulan that includes mushu Circa 1998 <laughs> yeah yeah because mushu belongs to this chap right or there's another idea that it's uh, to appease the chinese government that's an idea isn't it well yeah i mean uh, yes so china is obviously a huge market um and uh disney is kind of there's an idea that it might be pandering to the Chinese market to do a, a sort of slightly more state-approved version yeah. of... Um... Although we we watched this rather good YouTube channel called Asian Boss, and mm. they went onto the streets of Beijing and asked uh, lots of um, uh, Chinese people what they thought of the trailer, and also um, what they thought of the original came up as well. Yeah. And, and people like the original, the, yeah, the ju- 90s one. They see it as... They, they see it as American... Uh, and they like, but they like it, you know. Yeah. They, 
you know, there's this kind of black and white idea that they must hate it because it's westernized or something. But that's just that's you know. Well, there's a, a, there's a sort of well. there's a kind of an urban myth that uh, China was absolutely outraged by Mushu the dragon. But that's just not true, is it? No, there it was. Mulan was actually banned in China around that time, was but it? it was for a different reason, which I can't remember. <laughs> Let's <laughs> insert in, that. It fact was for here. a reason for a Disney film that had just been released, which upset them, and so they put the uh, they they stopped Mulan as well. Okay. Insert facts. First new fact. Uh, Mulan was released in China in the 90s, but it was a bit later than the uh, Western release. And the reason was um, that uh, in 1996, uh, the Chinese officials expressed anger over Disney backing Kundun, which was a film sympathetic to the Dalai Lama. So uh, after that, they uh, China banned Disney films. And then they slowly got turned around. And so Mulan, uh, everyone's familiar with the 97 release of Mulan, I think. 98, I think. 98. 98 release of uh, Mulan, but it came out a little bit later. End of fact. But the the fact is that actually the the Chinese audience were not uh, resistant to Mushu the Dragon. And so they wouldn't be resistant to a new rendering of Mushu the Dragon. Yeah. So it's just confusing what they're doing with Mulan because another uh, oh one of the things that was said on Asian Boss and I agreed with the lady who said it she was like ah they've cast um who have they cast they've cast Liu Yifei an actress who is extremely pretty and feminine and uh, sort of elegant looking mm. and I and she said I think Mulan should be uglier <laughs> <laughs> she or a bit plainer basically well because she, she can pass for a man and, and yeah, that, that's yeah, the she, argument she isn't just it? shouldn't be. Yeah, she's extremely feminine, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and and I tended to agree because if you're going to go for a gritty reboot, why don't you make Mulan? Uh, yeah, and not typical, you know, like conventionally pretty princess. Extremely type. elegant. Yeah. If you're going to go gritty, mm. it's just it feels like a weird halfway house at the moment. Yeah, you've got a princess type, but she's not going to do any singing, and there's no comedy side characters. Hmm. And uh, presumably she's not going to die in battle. So there was an interesting article in The Guardian uh, by Jing-Ann Young. And she said, uh, Why has Disney decided to make Mulan a gritty realist film? Particularly considering there are already Chinese versions of the legend. General Hua Mulan, 1964, and Mulan, Rise of a Warrior, 2009. That's the one you were talking about, yeah. right? She appears solemn and resolute. This is in the new the new trailer. Mm. Mulan is now a robotic warrior. The removal of the songs is a big mistake. It eliminates the joy and emotional heart that Disney do so well. I can't help but wonder why Disney are remaking Mulan at all if they're simply going to pander to the nationalistic values espoused by the mainland Chinese government. Yeah, and and the wording of that, yeah, it's the government, isn't it? It's not the it's not the people, people of China. Yeah. yeah. Mm. We, but I don't know if that's what they're doing. No one really understands what is happening with Mulan, I don't think. It's maybe too early to tell what they're yeah, doing with yeah, that at this stage because so. we do only have this one teaser trailer. Yeah, we? so yeah, we'll just have to wait and see for that. Mm. So uh, we're going to conclude now, but we're before we do that, we're going to consider other films uh, that we'd like to see remakes of. So we, uh, uh, our friend uh, Leila Wuzir had a viral tweet uh, with uh, this suggestion which is a remake of a live action remake of Hercules uh, and this got something like 7000 retweets and 30000 favorites on Twitter mm. so this is clearly something that rings 
true with a lot of people. Yeah, she and, said, and, Chris Hemsworth ain't getting any younger. Yeah. <laughs> we need him as Hercules. <laughs> yes. So she 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 had the cast uh, of uh, this uh, live action remake of Hercules with Chris Hemsworth. Uh, she, she suggested well a few different versions, but the one that we liked best was Aubrey Plaza playing Meg. Yeah, she suggested Anne Hath- Hathaway, but we prefer Aubrey. Plaza I think Aubrey Plaza is a great choice. Yeah, so yeah. So she she uh, was the villain in uh, Legion. Yeah. Uh, she's also in the new Chucky she's film. She's in Parks and Recreation. That's film. right. Yeah. yeah. So she's a, she's a kind of she's got comedic chops. She's a comedic chops, and she's a kind of quirky, yeah, quirky, slightly sinister. And she actor. can do yeah, creepy very well. Yeah, and because <laughs> Meg is a is a double crosser. Yeah, in yeah. Hercules. So and she, she can do sexy as well. Yes. So she's all these things. Which sexy is double crosser could very well be working for Hades. Yeah. Ends up falling in love. Yeah. I think uh, she'd be great. She said, "Phil, keep it with Danny DeVito." So now there you go. You sense. can't replace James L. Jones. Why replace Danny DeVito? Yeah, there are some actors who will never, ever be replaced. Yeah. And For Zeus, she suggested The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, can see Dwayne Johnson. I mean, yeah. he is a, he's already done a demigod once oh, in Moana. True. Yeah, yeah. Could he do another one? Of course he could. Yeah, why not? He could play a god. Uh, Edina Menzel. Actually, I think The Rock is a little may, might be a little too affable. Maybe. Zeus needs to be... Well, I don't know. Are we no, going he's... with original Zeus? <laughs> well, no, I mean, you can't go with original Zeus. Yeah, original Zeus, Zeus is a maniac. Is a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, but we, we're going with Zeus at, uh, circa 1990s yeah. Disney. And uh, she suggested Hera, Adina Menzel. Yeah, because... As long as she gets a song. She's going to add a song for Hera yeah. so that Adina Menzel can Makes play sense. it. That and sounds Hades, good. Hades, Robert Downey Jr. That works. Yeah. That totally works. Yeah. I can completely see that. Nice. Uh, oh, and the muse- muses. Yeah, uh, Jennifer Hudson... Lizzo, Beyonce, Janelle, Cynthia. Yeah, sounds good. So if you want to follow Layla, and uh, we recommend it, it's at Layla Woozer. So Woozer. So W O O Z E E R. So the full one L A I L A W O O Z E R. Yes. Uh, so then we thought, so that got us thinking about who we'd cast in various things. Mm-hmm. We thought, we know that Peter Pan and Sword in the Stone are both happening. Yeah, they're in the works. Uh, so we thought for Arthur. The youngest one from Stranger Things, Noah Schnapp. So that he plays Will Byers in he's, Stranger Things. He's currently fourteen, so they'd have to get a move on. He'd have to do it now. He'd have to do it. He'd have to do it yesterday. <laughs> but then, if it's you never know, then, he might be. Yeah. Might be. I mean, he's already got the bowl haircut as well, so we know what he looks like uh, for that era. Oh, what for 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 King Arthur? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. Yeah. yeah. And Finn Wolfhart, also from Stranger so Things. So Mike from Stranger he's Things. He's the yeah, yeah. He's a, a lot taller. He's really shot up, and I think he's seventeen years old. Right. Uh, for Peter Pan. Yeah, I mean he, he's he's knocking on. Really. He is actually. Yeah. And actually, he's so lanky that him, uh, him fl- flying fly, flying the sky, around, he might look a bit like silly. Like a noodle in yeah. the sky. <laughs> sky noodle. <laughs> yeah, but he'd still be quite good. Oh, but this we uh, we both when you said this for this casting, I will take credit for this. Yeah. Yes. It just instantly made so much sense. Yes. Merlin, Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill as Merlin would be fantastic. Yeah. Can you imagine him with a big beard going hockety pockety wockety whack? Yes, because yes. the thing about Merlin is he needs to be wacky. Yeah, and Mark Hamill is a is a is a scenery chewing wacky man. Yeah, who could totally he who has made the transition into old wizard yeah. perfectly as he's got older. Yeah, he would keep his Luke Skywalker beard and just put a bigger hat on. And then he's he yeah he needs he needs a twinkle in his eye yeah he? and he could do a kind of variant <laughs> on his Joker voice yeah yeah for that'd Merlin be great. Oh, that'd be great can now, you that... imagine that Mark Hamill and Noah Schnapp yeah 
Uh, oh. That's a Sword in the Stone remake where I can I can fully get on board yeah, with that. Yeah, definitely. And then we thought, uh, going back to Peter Pan, Hook. Mm. Yeah, we, we were flim-flammed about this because we thought about Dustin Hoffman in the in Hook. From... Yes, who plays it very well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but could we take it in a different direction? Because what does Hook have to be? Well, he's, he's incredibly sort of... Um... He's a mustachio twirling villain. He's totally arch. Yeah. But he's kind of a gangster as well. Yeah. In a way. He's a sort of... He, well, he's a yeah, like cartoonish villain. But he's also genuinely threatening, isn't he? He's threatening he's to kill a bunch of and kids. suave, but he's also slightly unhinged. Yeah. Because he's kind of, you know, he's he's driven mad by this, this crocodile and the, the ticking clock. Yeah. I mean, is this guy not wacky enough? So Maybe. That... So you'd have to do a darker version if you cast this guy. But... Yeah. We were thought we were thinking of Mahershala Ali. Yeah, yeah. Who uh, is a uh, very, is very Luke much Cage. Yes, he's very much the actor at the moment. He was in Green Green Book, oh, yeah. the Oscar-winning film. Oh, we haven't seen that. We've heard a lot of bad things mm, about that. <laughs> but, but, but still, but he's, he's Cottonmouth in uh, in Luke Cage. Luke Cage, and he's brilliant. And he's, so he's just been announced today mm. uh, to be playing Blade. Oh yeah! In the in the new in the new generation of the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, That's he's going to be exciting. Blade. I like Blade. So he would be quite an interesting Hook. We thought yeah. to make make Hook a slightly more genuinely sinister character because he's brilliant in Luke Cage as a as a gangster in Luke yeah. Cage. Yeah. So you could have a kind of slightly more because he's very he's very sort of flamboyant Hook, isn't he? Yeah. So you could interpret that With the dandy element. Yeah, he so. could he could be a kind of dandyish. Mm. Uh, but also frightening gangster-like character. Yeah, because we were trying to think along the lines of who's... Uh, Alan Rickman would have been brilliant, wouldn't he? He would, he would. Because he's also got that uh, quite suave, kind of fancy... Yeah. Could pull off a ruffled shirt. Definitely. Uh, but also threatening. It's almost a, It's almost sort of feels like a surprise that he wasn't Hook in Hook, actually. Yeah, I wonder if he turned it down. Maybe. I mean... Dustin Hoffman is incredible, but he's playing outside of his casting bracket there, isn't he? Norman? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So then we thought, oh, Black Cauldron, that needs a massive redo because it's terrible. <laughs> How would you redo the Black Cauldron? And we, and we tried to watch the Black Cauldron. Yeah. And we actually couldn't even get it. We just into gave it. up. It we didn't just... make any sense. I couldn't understand yeah. what was going on. So we actually gave up on even trying to cast it because we were like, we, the story needs to change, the basic story. So what's the point in trying to cast it when so much needs to But that's to an interesting idea. Maybe maybe there is some scope for Disney remaking some of its real dark era films. Mm. So that includes like Black Cauldron is the, the ultimate example. That's very medieval England as well, isn't mm. it? Maybe they were just maybe there's been too many medieval. It's very England. dark that Black Cauldron. From what we saw, it's quite scary. So you've yeah, got a kind of skull faced character. Long pastoral uh, establishing scenes, you mm. know, like, oh, lovely bucolic uh, medieval English countryside. Oh, and then a dark, shadowy figure. Yeah. Who... It's a bit Lord of the Rings, actually, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is. It yeah, sounds yeah. like it, it had the feel. Actually, it had the feel of the animated Lord of the Rings film from, right. the, from the 70s. Interesting. I wonder yeah. if that one influenced the other. Yeah, quite possibly. Maybe. Then we thought Pocahontas. We were just going down the list, basically, and thinking, how would we cast this? Hmm. And then what we said about the fact that if you put live action uh, on something, it, it's better if it's not completely fantasy, if it's got a basis in reality. And I don't think you should fant- fantasify... Pocahontas anymore? No, probably not. No, there there are some magical elements in Pocahontas, yeah. aren't there? So then you can't do the Pocahontas story. For a start, she's supposed to be fourteen. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, 13, 14. And like. she's essentially kidnapped and she mm. dies in England. Yeah. Isn't there even like a straight Just to... horrible. There's, isn't there a, a, a straight to video sequel? Yeah, Pocahontas 2, like Journey like to the New Journey to the uh, New World. Or what, Journey to the Old World. Yeah, she, what, she's just going to die? Yeah. What, get TB and die in England? We've it's not just, seen that film, no. as you might, have, you might have gathered. Yeah, yeah. Is it about the horrendous passage all the way on a boat to England where she gets touted around the court and then dies? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a hoot. What a yeah. riot. So you can't do Pocahontas. We're in a new era now where you can't take, you, you can't whitewash and you can't. Um, you, ca- you can't, you can't celebrate you can't the magify. horrors of the past. You can't magicify, uh, magicify the horrors of the past. Uh, non-white Western cultures as well. Yeah, it's just propaganda, essentially, isn't it? It's yeah. white propaganda. The old Pocahontas films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can't do that anymore. And you and uh, the real story of Pocahontas does not fit Disney. So I don't think you could do a live, a live action version. But I tell you what, you could do what Bambi. Bambi, yes. Bambi is an animal story. Yeah. So CGI, photoreal Bambi, I'm on board. Yeah. Oh, God. It would be... Bambi's mother actually getting shot. It would be, d- d- like, devastating. But, uh, <laughs> it's it, devastating. The original is But it would work. It would yeah. Work. Going back to Pocahontas very briefly, though, uh, what about um, Native American fables and things? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It feels like there's a, a, a good movie to be made out of... That. Yeah, but then actually, if uh, if that's the oh yeah, that that'd be uh, good with the Lion King treatment, the CGI animal. You know, yeah. if we're going into because again, it's the the spiritual realm and stuff, isn't right, it? Right, right, right. Yeah, perhaps mm. I don't know. Hmm. But these, uh, I think it's time to stop prettifying some fables which have real world uh, consequences. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, and it's time to start looking at uh, legends and fables with a, just a more respectful uh, air. Perhaps. Yeah. So if you're going to remake them, you need to keep those things in mind. Yeah. And if you want to keep it all light and frothy, then you're going to have to make up new narratives, like fresh stories. Yeah. So you're not stamping all over an, uh, a, a culture's actual story. Yes. It's interesting that uh, Pixar uh, basically has announced that they have five original stories in the works mm. some of them yet to be announced and disney are remaking disney seems to be mostly remaking i think they've given pixar the you do the new stuff and mm. we'll stick to the old i mean even even if it, they are doing new stuff in terms of maleficent's new direction but it's still maleficent which is an old character they're still staying in in familiar territory so aren't i they? think disney are sticking with uh what everything that we're familiar with and pixar are bringing up the new yeah stuff so yeah, so maybe that's our conclusion uh, is that uh, as we have figured out as we're going through this, if the story uh, has sort of real world consequences or feels like it could be rooted in reality, mm. then a live action slash hyper real treatment of it makes sense, yeah. a la The Lion King. Mm. Uh, and if it's very magical, then maybe it's better to be told in a less literal format such as a 2d animation where your imagination can fill in the blanks a little more yeah oh yeah because one final thing uh, just going very briefly back to the lion king mm. uh you said uh, in the 2d version there was a moment of symbolism um where the shadows of the hyenas look like jack booted oh yeah well it's not even the shadows so you've got scar perched atop 
a, a, a sort of high podium, mm. rock podium, um, and you've got uh, these goose-stepping hyenas going going past. I mean, it's, it's it couldn't be more overt. Right. It's, it's a goose-stepping sort of parade of hyenas so marching do in that. formation. You can do that more with 2D, I yeah. think. And the, the shadows that they cast... Oh, yeah, this is right. The shadows that they cast as they're goose-stepping looks like um, vorticist painting. Mm. So that's like the, the art style that was uh, sort of synonymous with uh, Mussolini and Italian fascism in the 1930s, vorticist style right. and stuff. And it looks like that. Yeah. So this is really, really clear symbolism. But mm. you couldn't... Obviously, they can't do that in a photo reel. No. <laughs> you can't have goose-stepping hyenas in a realistic environment. It would look silly. Yeah. So, But you can do that in 2D animation because there's a bit more liberty to... to yeah, um, I guess you could have dream sequences and things in which that sort of thing happens in yeah. the photo reel stuff. But mm. even that would be jarring so yeah i think uh so that's what 2d can do a bit better i think perhaps so yeah mm. okay so wonder, what do you think guys what's yeah. your take on all this we'd love to know yeah what do you think we yeah do, what would stories would you like to see disney remake and why yeah yeah casting we're always interested in hearing casting yeah. ideas do you disagree with us yeah I mean, yeah feel free to disagree we've dropped a few clangers in this one well, only controversial things so far as what end of the political spectrum you are, I think. I suppose, maybe. So if, if you don't agree with our politics, well, you've probably stopped listening, well, to be honest. We, yeah, we can't help you, but... You guys and the people who object to our silly voices. Oh, yeah, we've had some reviews on, on iTunes that say we're excruciating because of our silly voices. What do you think of that? I think that's absolute bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I, I, I'm not going to engage with this sort of Don't criticism. let the door hit you on the way Yeah, out. I'm going to throw some snow cones at you. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's us. I mean, that's what you listen to podcasts for, really, to yeah. get an idea of the people who are doing it. Yeah. Oh, was, uh, oh, uh, a listener, uh, Ali, she said that they hadn't, she hadn't heard from us uh, since uh, Toy Story 4 and Avengers Endgame came out. Right. Which is a good point. Uh, we should maybe briefly comment on that. Toy Story 4. It was good. Yeah, it was a little unmemorable. It felt a little unnecessary. Like, Toy Story 3 wrapped everything up. I liked it. It was good. I mean, it was still excellent, yeah, really, looking at it objectively. Yeah. But it, it didn't hit me as being the... It didn't continue the same streak of excellence as the, the last three, I think. Yeah. If, if, I, I feel like, if for me... Toy Story, the first film, is a five-star film. Mm. I think two sto- Toy Story 2 is a six-star film. <laughs> and Toy Story 3 is a seven-star film. <laughs> seven out of five. Seven out of five stars. They can do no wrong, those yeah, films, yeah. for me. And I, th- I feel like this is, is, a, is a four. I felt like they did it because they were worried that we were worried that the toy's eventual... Um, destiny was so bleak like landfill well another thing so that the idea that they are actually they have the opportunity of escaping and just literally living in the countryside <laughs> I know I mean it is, it is something of a relief isn't it yeah Mark Kermode also another another Kermode point he, he said that he felt that this was the first film that was actually about the toys rather than about the toys relationships with uh, their children Although it's Woody extricating himself from that, isn't it? I suppose so, but it's like Woody coming to terms with the... Finally coming to terms with this thing that's been horrifying him his entire life, which is being replaced or being forgotten. Yeah, well, he's completely in service to the children for the entire way through, isn't he? And yeah. then fi- this film is about him uh, setting off 
like breaking the bonds of slavery, essentially. Really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I mean, the, the it's. I think the the parallel is meant to be letting go of your children. Oh isn't yeah, it? yeah. It's an empty nest thing, I yeah. guess, rather than a the yoke of oppression. <laughs> <laughs> but you could see it that way. The iron hand of the child yeah. and their toys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was the other one you mentioned? Avengers Endgame. Oh, that was great. Just just excellent. <laughs> just really, really, yeah, loved it. really good. <laughs> no complaints. Two thumbs up. Yeah. Four, four thumbs. Four thumbs Eight up. thumbs on one hand. Yeah, up. up for... If we're going to go with the five, the seven stars out of five. Yeah, sure. Eight thumbs in one hand. Yeah, the Russos. <laughs> I mean, the combination of Infinity War and of Endgame, taking that as one act of... D- balancing and juggling of so many named characters in such a way that felt natural and like no one had too much screen time no one had not enough screen time everything was pretty much perfect yeah amazing amazing balancing out the only thing that maybe bothered me about it was the fact that they had to remove captain marvel because she's too damn useful yeah, and then they bring her back at the she's end. She's a bit of a, a, a Deus Ex Machina, machina. yeah, she? a little bit. But that's a that's a, a nitpick. Yeah, well, uh, she's a bit like Eleven in Stranger Things, actually. Well, they she? do. Yeah, she does keep sort of just swanning in and saving the day. Yeah, yeah, she? like what do we do? Oh, uh, um, oh, Eleven. Eleven, can you sort that, please? <laughs> yep. All right. One sec. <laughs> Well, and the only the only consequence is a nosebleed. Yeah, yeah. They kind of have to find a way. I guess I bet early on in the writing process they're like, right, how do we? How do we get hobble? rid of Carol? Yeah, yeah. Bloody Carol gets in the way. We need them. to somehow remove them. Mm. Anyway, uh, we could do a little longer one on that if uh, if you fancy. Let us know if you fancy. Yeah. Although it must might just be us going. Oh, yeah, that was great. That was brilliant. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. But it was very good. Yeah. We've just run a poll on Twitter because we had the idea uh, suggested by a, a listener um, whose name I will insert here. Her name is Ronya. Uh, she said uh, we would like you to uh, revisit a film from the past and do an audio commentary on yeah, it. Yeah, we like that idea. So, so we, we're going to do it. Yeah, we ran a little poll. Uh, the options were The Black Cauldron, The Great Mouse Detective, uh, Ichabod Crane and Mr. Toad, uh, and The Hunchback of Notre Dame, the most recent one. And Hunchback appears to have won. Which is good, because Lawrence has a lot of uh, quite uh, complicated musical reasons for liking it. I do. And uh, I've got some opinions on giving Quasi a love interest. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very mixed bag, that film, so I'm interested to rewatch it and to yeah. have a ch- chat about it. Yeah, and we always, I mean, that, that's a great suggestion, so please do suggest other things that we can do. Yeah, we do love to hear your thoughts. As always, you can reach us on adultsdodisney at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at adultsdodisney. And I think that's probably all for us, from us, for now. So, see you real soon. Bye-bye.